The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word from Romans. This is our fourth study. We'll be leaving verses 1 through 7 after this Lord's Day. This Lord's Day, we focus on verse 7. But I'm going to read the entire introductory statement that we've been covering these last three weeks as we come to our fourth study. If you look with me in Romans 1, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Paul, now Paul then says three things about himself that he wants the Romans and you to know. One, a slave or a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Two, called to be an apostle. Three, set apart for the gospel of God. And that will be the whole subject matter of this entire epistle, the gospel of the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who authors our salvation, the Son who accomplishes it, and the Holy Spirit who applies it. Now, where do we find this gospel? From the Word of God, which He promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures. What is the focus of this gospel? Concerning His Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by His resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Kurias, our Adonai, our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship. And what does the grace of the Lord Jesus in us and our being sent by him do? Brings about the obedience of faith. For what reason? The sake of his name, where? Among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Now, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word read in your hearing abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Go back to verse seven to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's two words I want you to just pull out. Two words, grace and peace. Now, you probably have seen those words before. You're aware of those words. Those words are there in front of you. And, um, but you're also aware of their repetition, grace and peace. And you're right. These are two words that the Apostle Paul, in, now let me say it again, invariably, relentlessly and intentionally continues to use in the opening statements of his epistles. He writes 13 epistles, grace and peace in the opening verses you'll find in every single one of them. Now, repetition, intentional repetition 
unimaginative repetition. He doesn't get imaginative with this. He just says grace and peace. That repetition is usually there for a reason. And that reason is importance. Unfortunately, sometimes repetition can actually have an opposite effect. Sometimes when we keep seeing something and hearing something in the same place, we just start to skip over it. I was astonished. I was actually really and truly astonished that many of the preachers and commentators that I have studied over these last months in preparation on this verse, I have been absolutely astonished at how many do just skip over. Or they'll say something like this. Grace and peace, Paul's usual greeting. Well, maybe you ought to ask yourself, why is it Paul's usual greeting? Maybe that repetition invariably in all 13 epistles, unimaginatively, just simply, grace and peace is there not because of a mindless act of repetition, but it is there for a very specific, crucial reason that you must not miss. Well, I think you're probably getting the sense where I fall out on this. I don't see it just as, well, Paul's got some filler here. This is what we call a salutation. This is what we call a, um, let's see, what, what is it that we rightly call something like this? We rightly call something like this, we call it a greeting. This is a greeting from the Apostle Paul. But here's what I'm going to suggest to you. I'm going to suggest to you this is much, much more than a Pauline greeting. I'm going to suggest it's much more than that. I'm going to suggest it's much, much more than a salutation. I am going to suggest to you that this is a repetitive distillation of theological brilliance communicating to God's people the foundation stone and the capstone of the gospel of God's blessings. When you understand that, it will be life-changing, life-transforming. When we understand why he puts it there, it's not just a filler. One person rightly said, I like the way he said it because it's rather challenging. He says, the ubiquity of these words many times evaporates the gravitas of them. What he is saying is this. When you start repeating, sometimes people just dismiss it. Instead of focusing upon it. That's the challenge for every pastor, by the way, because we don't want God's word to be a pretext when we preach a text. But we've learned that if you don't take the text in its context, then it be always becomes a pretext. In other words, when you rightly divide the word, you've got to put it in its context. And so each time you come to preach, when you're preaching, when you're preaching systematically through a text of Scripture and you put it in its context, you of necessity have to tell, tell everybody what you previously said in the first couple of sermons because you want it to have its context. But then, of course, then uh, people, they, people get rapidly bored with repetition. But the Apostle Paul not only doesn't try to hide this repetition, he puts it right in front of us and he's making us grapple with it. Why is it in every single epistle, in the salutation, in the greeting, why is it I keep saying to you grace and peace from God our Father? And the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it that I keep doing that? 
Well, I believe this is more than a greeting. I believe it is more than a salutation. In fact, I believe it's more than Paul at work here. I believe that this is a summation of the essential twofold blessings of the gospel of God that he is going to expound for you in the next 16 chapters. Grace and peace. Let me give you three thoughts about it, okay? First of all, grace. Let's take a look at the first blessing. The gospel of God blessing number one, grace. Grace to you. Grace. What is it that is grace? Now, the Greek word is charis. It's antecedent, that is, what introduces it from the Old Testament is a word, chesed. I love that word, chesed. It gives you a chance to spit on people if they're in front of you, if you really want to. Because, you know, there's a Hebrew H, then there's a Hebrew H, and that's a, this is the one. So, if you know, get close to somebody and chesed, you can say that to them. It actually means God's unending, unfailing covenant love and mercy his grace that's what you're looking at god's unending unfailing covenant love and mercy chesed now the greek word is charis charis c-h-a-r-s that's the greek word for it and that's the word that you've got here god's grace god's charis now but that let's get beyond the etymology what what about the theology of it can I do it this way? I have done this now for a number of years. If I've done it with you, would you kind of bear with me? But I think this is the best way to get at it. See, because when I say the gospel of God, two blessings of the gospel of God, you immediately know that the word gospel means what? Good news, right? You know that. But the reason that the gospel is good news is because there is a backdrop, a narrative called the bad news. To get at this, let me give you three words. Justice, mercy, and grace. And I want to try to give you some layman, work-a-day, good old blue-collar, which is where my heart and life always resides, good old blue-collar definitions. Justice is when God gives you what you deserve. That's what biblical justice, the biblical concept of justice, is when God gives what you deserve. Now, what about mercy? Mercy is when God withholds from you what you deserve. Well, what is grace? Grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. And those three need to be understood redemptively, salvationly, gospel concepts. They need to be understood to be able to understand the gospel and for us to understand grace and peace uh, and how they're put together for us as blessings of this gospel. Justice. What is it we deserve? Now, let's stop and think with me. Let me bring to you a verse. Be ready. Uh, act for a minute like you're 
Baptist or Pentecostal and answer out loud. Okay, just just for a minute. I'm not going to ask you to do it forever. Just just for a minute. Get on the edge here with me. All have what? Sinned. Who has sinned? All. Is that you? Well, that was at least a third of you. I'm going to give you a chance. God's listening, not me. Is that you? Is that me? You didn't have any problem saying that one, did you? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, how about this one? The wages of sin, which is what we do because we're what? Now, don't forget that. We sin because we're sinners. We're born sinners. We got a bad heart. We got a bad record. We're born sinners. We sin. And the wages, that is, what does sin deserve? What does sin merit in terms of justice? The wages of sin is three kinds of death. The word death means separation. Physical death. Separation of the soul from the body. We've been studying this on Sunday nights. Then spiritual death, the separation of the sinner from God because our sins break our relationship because God cannot fellowship with sin. You were born dead in your trespasses and sins. Then eternal death, depart, separate from me and the place is hell. The place is hell. So their sin brings physical death. Spiritual death and the unendurable yet endured forever with no hope, eternal death of the torments of hell in which the righteous judgment of God comes upon the impenitent sinner. And every one of us, every single one of us, sons of Adam, every one of us are born into this world as sinners who sin and we got a one-way ticket to hell. And I love you too much not to tell you that. And I praise God for those who told me that we are sinners and not only are we sinners, we can't save ourselves. We're dead in our sins. And not only are we dead in our sins and helpless because we can't save ourselves. We're hopeless because man-made religion can't save us. I don't care how sincere it is. Man-made religion cannot save us. So here we are, helpless and hopeless. And we are under the righteous judgment of God. Justice. Is there any way, when obviously there is no way, is there a way that a holy God can be holy and just and save us from our sins? Is there any way? And our God, because of his love and grace, not simply found a way, 
He made a way. And that way is his son, Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. I shared with you some verses, and in those verses is my favorite word in the Bible. And do not try to talk me out of this. This is my favorite word of the Bible. I know it's not impressive, but it is my favorite word in the Bible. It's not propitiation. It's not expiation. It's none of that. My favorite word in the Bible is a three-letter word, and this is it. But the wages of sin is death. That's justice. I thank God every day that there's not a period there. I thank God for what comes next. But the free gift of God, not justice. No, this is a gift. This is grace and mercy. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, being rich in mercy, caused you to be born again to a living hope. I praise God for the but. Here's the but. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I praise God. That when the message of his justice came and showed me I'm helpless and hopeless and headed to the judgment of eternal hell. And and I am headed in that direction with no hope and no help, helpless and hopeless. That even though I did not seek salvation, there was a God who chose out of his own love and grace to save sinners. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Why? The love of God. The grace of God. God's grace sent his son out of God's love. And then his son gave himself out of his love for us. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. And then God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ and God the Father, God the Son, by God the Spirit saves us out of God's love for us. In other words, I'm helpless, I'm hopeless, I'm headed to a Christless eternity. In my arrogance, I engage my idolatry in rebellion against God. If I've got anything to do with God, I invent a God in my own image where the purpose of God is to help me in my sin instead of bring me salvation from my sin. And that's where I am. Yet God loved sinners. God, when we, this God who does not need any of us, it was this God who loved us. And then we, who did not love him, who needed him, we who needed him did not love him, this God who didn't need us, loved us and gave his son Who gave himself, in other words, God withheld 
the judgment for our sins in mercy from us and placed it on his son who came to take our place. And with his death, he paid for our sins and removes them. No charges against God's elect. No condemnation. Now I dread that we have been set free from sin's guilt and shame through the death of Christ. And that's not all. This Jesus not only died the death that I would have died without him, the judgment of God of eternal death in that place called hell as he took it upon himself and the cross. And the one who gives me a benediction became in my place a malediction. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because he became you and me. He took our sins, thought, word, and deed on himself, and he paid for all of them with his atoning death. And then we whom he has saved from hell, he then gives us his righteousness. So we are accepted in the beloved and we now are on our way to heaven. In mercy, God withheld from us what we do deserve. He placed it upon his son, and his son took our place. And now, this resurrected son who triumphed in the salvation of his people gives us what we don't deserve. Peace. With God. That we now have peace with him. I love grace because of what we just sang. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. Here's what I love from that song. Your grace taught my heart to fear. I'm a sinner. I'm headed to hell. I can't save myself. No man-made religion can save me. You hang over eternal condemnation. And then I praise God for the next line of that song. Your grace taught my heart to fear. And then my fears relieved. I've got a helper. I'm helpless, but I've got a helper. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. In fact, my help is the Lord, Savior and King. That is my help. I have a hope, and my hope comes from the Lord. More than that, my hope is the Lord. We who were helpless and hopeless under God's justice because of God's mercy and then the gift of his son by grace who secures our salvation, we now have help and that help is Jesus. And we now have hope and that hope is Jesus. That's what we now have in and through him. 
I praise God for his grace. His grace showed me and exposed to me my sin, my precarious position, where I hung over the very vacuums of eternity and the judgment seat of God. Yet that God who is gracious sent his son into this world and his son goes to the cross and takes the judgment of all of the sins of all of his people upon himself for all of eternity so that we can be saved by his grace. Not only does grace expose us in our sin and our sinfulness and our precarious position as sinners, it exalts the answer. And that's Jesus. Biggest decision you're ever going to make in your life right now. Right now. The most documented reality in the world is we are sinners. And sin has consequences. And God warns you of the consequences to come. And then God says, I've sent my son. And if you'll come to him who came for you, you can be saved from eternal life. Will you come? That God's grace who showed us our fears and then our fears relieved. Because in God's grace, there's a divine exchange. The God who exposes our sins sends his son who takes our place. So that we can have everlasting life in him. Can I just say one more thing on this? And I'll I'll move rapidly from here. And I'm always misrepresented on this. So I'm asking you not to misrepresent me. But listen to me carefully. God's grace comes from his love. And I hear people say this. God gives us unconditional love. I do not believe that. I believe what the Bible teaches, please listen to me, is God's love, whereby he graciously saves his people, is an unmerited love. It is an unsought love. It is a triumphant love. It is a relentless love. It is an unstoppable love. It is an undeserved love. It is an unmerited love. But the reason it is a saving love is because God met the conditions. If God could love me unconditionally, then tell me what Jesus is doing on the cross. You see, it's at the cross, by the grace of God, the love of God, met the holiness and justice of God and kissed. In Jesus, to save us from our sins by the grace of God to the glory of God. There, that's why Paul says, I preach Christ and him crucified. There's where it meets right there. And then the second gospel blessing, i got to do this quicker, so here we go. The second gospel blessing is erane. We get the word irenic from it. The Greek words erane is translated in your Bible, peace. Not only grace, and then he says peace. So you've got one gospel blessing, 
secured by Christ out of the love of God. It's grace. Now you got another gospel blessing, and that's peace. Irene. If you and I had lived back in the Old Testament, we would have encountered this all the time. We would pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, um, and here's what you would have seen. When you would have gathered with God's people, every assembly, that they, when they would get together, this would happen. Uh, they, the priest would stand, and they would quote from number six, the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his countenance shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. You are, of course, in that word is shalom. Or you would have encountered the regular greeting, which was the greeting of peace. The greeting of Shalom. Shalom Lalekam. Shalom Lalekam. Peace to you. The informal. You see this aspiration, this, this desire. We know something's wrong between us and God. We need peace with God. Peace of God. So now you get to the new covenant. And the greeting is not peace. The greeting is grace that assures peace. In fact, here's the way it brings your attention. Remember what we just confessed a few moments ago from John chapter 14? Jesus said this, peace I give to you. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. The world doesn't give peace. They will keep saying peace, peace when there is no peace. But money won't get it. Power won't get it. Manipulation won't get it. Lying won't get it. Corruption won't get it. Sin won't get it. All that we are as fallen men and women will not get that peace. But God, by His grace, has given His Son, and God's grace, secured by His Son, brings peace. And Jesus says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. I give you peace. And that glorious peace He describes in John sixteen thirty three. In the world, let me tell you what you get in the world. You don't get peace. Here's what you get in the world. Tribulation. In the world, you get tribulation. And then he says this, in me, you have peace. Now, take courage. I have overcome the world. You're living in the world, you get tribulation. But take courage. In me, you get peace. And take courage. I have overcome the world. That means you get a legal, objective peace as a sinner who was wrong with God, and now you're right with God. Uh, Hopefully you were here at the very beginning when I gave the word of pardon as we began worship from Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, come on now, help me, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we've got peace 
with God. We who were enemies, rebels, in rebellion against God, guilty of cosmic treason. Now, he says, you have armistice. You have a peace with God. That's what you have. It's irrevocable. It can't be lost. It has been secured by the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ. It has been affirmed in the resurrection of Christ. He was delivered up for our sins. He was raised because of our justification. You have peace with God. But you not only have an objective legal peace with God, you also have a subjective personal peace of God. So your peace from Christ gives you peace with God and it gives you a peace of God. Don't you love? I do. Philippians 4, verse 4. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, but in everything, with thanksgiving, through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And the peace, what's the next word? Of God. You not only get a peace with God, legal, objective peace with God, removing our sins, guilt, and shame. But now you have the peace of God that, listen, listen, and the peace of God will guard, stand sentry over your heart in Christ Jesus. So you not only in this broken world, you not only have peace with God, you have the peace of God if Christ is your peace and Christ is your peace by his grace. That brings me to the third blessing, the gospel blessing of grace and peace. Grace is the foundation and then the capstone that holds it all together is the peace That Christ is your peace, you have peace with God, and you have the peace of God. Now, you can't have that peace if you're not a trophy of grace. But if you're a trophy of grace, you are assured of that peace. It is yours. That peace will not come in a bottle. That peace will not come on an illicit computer screen. That peace will not come... Through greed, covetousness, or a dissipated life. That peace doesn't come in, I'm going to do better. That peace comes when you come to Jesus. By grace. Grace brings you to him. Who brings you himself as your peace. Peace with God and the peace of God. Ephesians 1 says, to the praise of his glorious grace. Ephesians 2, I love this, listen to this, Ephesians 2. For he, Christ Jesus himself, is our peace. I not only have help because Jesus is my helper. I not only have hope because Jesus is my hope. I've got peace. Jesus is my peace. He has come to bring me peace with God and the peace of God. Look at what he says in Romans 1, and then we'll give you the takeaway. To all those in Rome who are loved by God. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say to those in Rome who love God, although they do. 
He goes to the root of their love for God. They love God. Why? Come on, folks. Why did they love God? Because he first loved them. To those who are loved by God. And if you're loved by God, what is your vocation? What is your calling? What is your business? Called to be saints. Set apart. You've been bought to be his possession. You are saints. That's what you are. So the next time somebody comes up and says, well, tell me, what's your, well, what kind of business do you do? I'm a saint. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in saint school. Uh, that's what I'm in. Well, I thought you were a sinner. I am. I'm a sinner saved by grace. That means God called me as a saint. I am positionally perfect in Christ. And I am personally growing for Christ. I'm up and down, but I'm growing by his grace through the means of grace unto his glory. That's my calling. That's why Christ's church is so important to me. Because he, my savior, who by grace gives me peace, put that church there so that I don't drive by it or work it into my schedule. I'm a vital part of it because there he has positioned his means of grace. So I stay fixed on him who is my peace. Him who is my help. Him who is my hope. And that he is my life. He is my all. And I am his. And he is mine. And that means of grace, whether it's preaching or prayer or fellowship or the communion of the saints, whatever it is, keeps setting the nail so that I'm fixed on Jesus. That's why he gave it there. I have been called of him. He is my peace. Don't you? Two words. Look at these two words. Grace and peace from, not from Harry, not from my church, not from me, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Harry, you said two words. From peace, grace and peace come to us from God, our Father, who came for us. When he sent his son who came to be with us to save us so we could have by grace peace with God and the peace of God. Who gets it? Look at that phrase again from God, our father. So let me ask you, is the triune God your father? Is his son your savior and Lord? By grace. You have peace. If not, you won't have peace. I can assure you of that. You may get a hardened conscience. You may be able to live with sin. You may be able to work all this out and balance it off and on. But you don't have peace with God and you don't have the peace of God. And by God's grace, you are still under the, you are still, and, um, and absent from God's grace, you don't have that blessing where God's grace shows you, without him, I can do nothing. And then God's grace shows you, I can do all things through Christ. My strength. But in Christ, is he yours? Are you his? And is he yours? That's the very point of that word, our. Well, here's your, here's your takeaway and I'll close in prayer. Grace and peace is not simply. Please listen to this. Grace and peace is not simply a habitual greeting to Christians From the Apostle Paul. In reality. It's not even 
from the Apostle Paul. Grace and peace is a divine benediction. A good word from God. It is a divine benediction of the gospel of God declaring the Christ purchased blessings through the Apostle Paul for his people. In other words, God's giving you this word. He's using Paul as the mouthpiece. And Paul can't wait to put it in every letter he writes. Grace and peace. Your foundation is grace. Your capstone is grace. The grace of God that you might have peace with God and the peace of God. You know, if we in the early church in the first century, when they would get together for worship and the celebration of praise to God, can I tell you what they would do? They would get together and they they would greet each other with a benediction. May the Lord be with you. They would greet each other with a benediction and then a holy kiss. And then... Um, and then uh, later, um, well, and then at the end of the service, the pastor would go around and he would give when the prayer. It was a blessing from God. He would go around and put his hand on each attendant and he would use a Bible verse to give them a blessing from God. Because the benediction isn't a prayer. It's a benedicte, bene, beneficial, bene, benefit. Good means good. A good dictate, dictation, a good word from God. And he would go, and of course, in the churches got bigger than houses. So then the opening salutation or greeting with a benediction, the pastor would just do it like this. And then the people, they didn't have time to get around and give everybody a holy kiss. So they would just extend the greeting to each other. Then of grace and peace. But then at the end of the service, because it was so big, he didn't have time to go around and put his hands on everybody. Couldn't come up with necessary a verse for everybody without repeating himself. So then the pastor would give a good word from God with his hands like this and the people would raise their hands to receive it. It was a word from God. What I'm trying to tell you is this is not Paul's salutation. This is God's benediction through Paul's salutation. This is a distillation of the two blessings of the gospel of God. That is the foundation of your life. Grace. And that is the capstone of your life. The peace of Christ. The bad news is we're sinners under the malediction of God. The good news is in Christ, by grace, we have peace and a benediction from God. Through the Christ purchase salvation on the cross for us. We are not helpless. We are not hopeless. Christ is our help. Christ is our hope. By God's grace and for God's glory. And we have peace of God and peace with God. He taught our hearts to fear and then our fears he has relieved. Here's what I'd say. This is not only, not simply a greeting and a salutation from Paul. It is a benediction from God through Paul to all who are loved by God the Father and who have come out of that love to Christ. 
He is yours and you are his. And this benediction is your assurance. You can walk out of here assured. Peace with God. And the peace of God. You can be assured you're walking out here into a world of tribulation. You can walk into that world with Christ as your peace. If by his grace you come to him. Praise his name forever. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. These things has he written so that you who believe in the Son of God might know that you have eternal life. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time that we can be together. May I ask you, O God of glory and grace, who gives peace to all who put their trust in Christ, I pray and ask that anyone here this day, and Lord, this is a significant gathering of people. I would be surprised if there are those here who are not seeking. May they today hear. They found it. It's not me. It's not man-made religion. It's Jesus. By grace, Jesus took my justice. And now I can have peace. I can turn from my sins and put my trust in him. You can just do that right where you are. If you want to talk with someone, just let me know. I am as available as you need me to be, as you want me to be. And for my dear brothers and sisters this day, don't just walk by. I have the privilege, ever since this impacted my life, every letter I write, I put the grace and peace. Because I know this is not mere repetition. This is majestic. Assurance from God. We are saved. And we are his. Rejoice. And praise God. We are no longer in the Old Testament. With an aspiration. For peace. And a petition. For peace. We now know in the new covenant. By grace, we have peace through Christ himself, who is our peace. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reader, visit us at briarwood.org.
or call 205-776-5200. 